0: So we're um, about a week past, I think a week past, or maybe it was earlier this week, was the Iowa caucus.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, last week, wasn't the last week? No, it was beginning of this week. That was a rough three days. There.
0: It was, uh, a <laughs> it definitely was not news for the right reasons, but a, a lot of, uh, obviously a lot of you know things moving forward and um you know seeing the results and and all that's um you know put uh uh some you know former front runners not in in that role and a lot of movement uh in terms of momentum just wanted to see what she thought of coming out of there and um where you stand with everything
1: well you know i uh just had a column published in the Rafa titled Vote. And it's about how the March 3rd California primary is right around the corner. And we're used to doing our primary in June. So this is totally different, not to mention that how you vote is really different. So I wanted to put that out there, but the whole setup was uh, the impeachment uh, and then you add uh, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of this this week of the debacle in uh, Iowa, the Iowa caucuses, and then the uh, State of the Union address in Congress, and then the impeachment vote. It was a hell of fine three days. That's right. But the buildup to the Iowa caucus, uh, I've also been talking about and just trying to get a better sense of this whole caucus thing, and you know, and I, you and I had talked about this last time about how Iowa and New Hampshire are within the top five widest states of the union, and, and New Hampshire's a primary, thank goodness, but Iowa has not only uh, a white state, ninety five percent, over ninety percent. Wow. Uh, But the caucus process really is, willows it down even further in terms of numbers of people and who votes, because you have to stay there for hours and you vote twice. Uh, The first time you vote is, you know, whatever candidate you're supporting. And then if one of the candidates that's being (coughs) uh, voted on doesn't meet the 50% threshold of votes, then there's a re-vote and those people get to vote again, so they're second choice. So the problem with the app and the reporting is they wanted to report the popular vote first, then the realignment vote second, and then based upon that realignment there's a percentage formula used to determine how many delegates that the individual candidates get. So it looks like at the end of the day, the uh, number of delegates, for some reason, the way the formula works, Buttigieg got one or two more than Sanders, Bernie. And then the rest were distributed. I think Kobachar got some, Biden got a few, and then Warren got a few more. But Bernie won the popular vote by 6,000. He won the second vote by 2,500 when people could vote for a second choice. But then when they went through the convoluted formula, Buttigieg got the most elegance. So it gets willowed down by those that can stay through this whole cumbersome process. And then it gets willowed down even more by people being able to vote for their second choice. And then it gets even reduced down more based upon the delegate formula, and then the media runs with it as if it's some indicator of who's gonna be front runner, and it establishes momentum, and all these different things based upon this real unscientific small sample. And we're getting into New Hampshire, and at least it's a primary, so one person, one vote, but it's also a small white state. And then we're going to Nevada, which we then start changing in terms of more diversity. Then we get into North Carolina and the diverse South Carolina. <coughs> the diversity issue brings to bear the African American vote. Then we get to Super Tuesday on March 3rd. And we have all of these primaries, including California, which is the biggest, so that's gonna distribute delegates. So we're gonna get a real good view of this pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But from the very first podcast you and I did, the issue I raised as the large field was coming together was I saw potentially the biggest question for me was who's gonna be the vice person. That it would be a matter of somehow balancing the ticket of progressive and moderate <clears throat> and actually what I was thinking about <clears throat> at that time was uh, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris might be a good ticket and since then through the process uh, things have been willowed down to uh, Joe is barely standing, Kamala's long gone and uh, for me hedging and kind of bet The time is gone. But the number one question for me is what we've talked about already, which is a commitment to anybody I'm talking to that we're going to support whoever the Democratic nominee is, whoever it is, not get upset and take your ball and go home. Mm -hmm. But we got to support. And if the State of the Union speech didn't completely solve the problem for you or the giving of the Medal of Freedom to Rush Limbaugh on the floor of the People's House, the Congress. I I don't know what to say. So last week I reached out to the Asia Pacific Islanders for uh, Bernie Sanders because I want to endorse Bernie Sanders. Uh, Just listening to his uh, platform, and I have some concerns about the how we're going to do some of this, uh, but what happens traditionally in presidential politics is in the primary, you appeal to the base, and then when you get into the general, you got to tack more to the middle. Mm-hmm. And I just think, and this is going to sound a little unhumble, but some of the wisdom I have and practical experience I have and those of my ilk, the elders, uh, we need to be involved. (coughs) I endorsed Bernie in 2016. What he's trying to do, (coughs) the positions he has, these speak to what I've always believed in. And so we want to win. That's unquestionable. But being able to, be hedging your bet around a candidate that is not going to provide the ideas and the policy strategy we need to take where we think the country should go. Uh, I think those things are gone. So uh, I'm on board with Bernie. How, how about you? You've been thinking about it? I mean, you, I saw your absentee ballot on your counter.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I along with what you said, first and foremost, it's, we I mean, support whoever, you know, ends up being, being the nominee, uh, the Democratic nominee. Um, but I think for me, like, I, I've, I've waffled between, like, kind of the conventional, well, who, who we should support who we think can win, right? <clears throat> and that's a complicated formula and, a lot of different factors. I think right now, I go back to hearing, you know, Andrew Yang for the first time, I forgot what was the podcast, and then on Joe Rogan, and the thing that really impacted me with him, and and Yang isn't gonna win, right? But what he's doing is bringing to the forefront the thought process that I think we are as a culture we need to start adopting more, as we move forward into, you know, the 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 twenty first century, right? Like it's twenty first century solutions for twenty first century problems, and that is that is how we need to start looking at things, whether it's automation, as as complicated things as automation, or as simple simple in, in quotes as issues as homelessness, right? Thinking about it in, in a modern, progressive way is, is how we're gonna keep moving forward <clears throat> as a country, as, as a city, as a, as a people, as a community. And Andrew has done a really good job of bringing that, I think, to the forefront. And, you know, you can people have, you know, there's pros and cons around the freedom dividend, but it's the thought process behind it, right? It's less about mm. the actual money. It's more mm. of just like, why is he proposing this? What solutions is, it's the, he's getting to the how, right? Mm. And it may, it, his thought process makes sense. He talks about truck driver, as you know, he takes data and, and he's, he's skewing it for for what works for his his policies, but it makes sense. And it's very function as, as high, y- as conceptual as as it is in its core, it's actually very functional and tangible, right? Um, and how, how it's attacking it. So I I, I support Andrew Yang, and I, I think you know he uh, you know I don't I don't think that he's going to win, but the fact that he's still in it now, that he is he is not just lasted, but he is. I mean, he's polling better than a lot of the the yeah. the major major uh, candidates and i don't I don't my history is not that great when it comes to um uh, campaigns like this, but I mean he's an it's got to be pretty rare of what he's doing and and the 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 impact that he's having as like an outsider as a and he's not buying his way in right he, yeah. he his thing is his his supporters are cheaper than Bernie supporters because their their per you know their dollar per donation is lower than than um, oh, than Bernie's it? yeah, yeah so I mean that was, that's what he's touting that was like a month ago he was like yeah my my supporters are cheaper than Bernie's <laughs> I thought that was great um, you know so I, I, for me uh, I think that's 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 what I, I, I the the just the whole everything that he's bringing to the table and he's not, and he's not bringing a full meal. I mean, that's the issue, right? He's like very focused and he can do that. Cause he doesn't have, he's not tied to, you know, uh, establish, establish entities and, you know, unions and all, that, whatever it is. Right. So you can kind of be pigeonholed a little bit, but, um, I, I think that's, that's the way we need to start attacking a lot of these issues. And, um, I really, uh, appreciate the, the, the light that he's bringing to the, this campaign
1: well from day one of our podcast you've been consistently raising the issue of Andrew Yang. Well what about your friends have you guys talked about the presidential stuff very much
0: we haven't talked about who everybody's going to support I think it's it's, and you know sometimes we don't we don't dive too deep in it you know you do with certain people and um, and it's also part of the problem I think is it's one of those anybody but Trump and the more the conversations around how crazy he is and just, Oh man, look at that, the last psycho thing that he did, which is a problem because the focus is on, on him and, and not on, you know, the, the actual candidates on, on the democratic side. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think there, you know, there's, there, there hasn't been a lot of like, you know, who are you going to support is more of, um, anybody but
1: well why not what can you do an informal poll of your friends so after march 3rd uh podcast we do i would really be interested to see how they voted mm-hmm. you know the the andrew yang <coughs> he has also provided uh i don't know if sense of humor counts that much in politics anymore but His commentary after the the debacle in Iowa was they should have gotten an Asian that knows how to do computer stuff or something (laughs) like that. But, you know, um, I, I think he's been really refreshing and I agree with you. His ability to survive, he has done so well. I'm, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I'm really interested to see what he does after. You know, I don't think he would be considered for vice presidential, although it would be interesting. Maybe he could be put into a, uh, if Democrats get elected, he could be part of a cabinet, you know. But it's interesting the juxtaposition of an old uh, radical lefty like myself uh, supporting an old radical lefty like Bernie and you being progressive, successful along with your peers, but Andrew Yang being a part of the Yang gang. It's an interesting generational juxtaposition relative to support for presidential candidates. Mm -hmm. I like it, I like it a lot. So as this thing plays out, I think the, the big one's going to be Super Tuesday, March 3rd, because uh, Bloomfield, and then that's a whole nother thing. Bloomberg or Bloom, what's Bloomberg? Bloomberg. His buying this thing is got it. Or, or Tom Steyer. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it, it's so counterintuitive that they're financing themselves, but the problem with buying a campaign is when you introduce money in the levels that they're introducing it you bring money not only to buy ads and to buy uh uh different materials for pr but you he's buying people too right you know he's buying their support and uh we'll see how this plays out on uh, march 3rd uh Bernie's gonna do or die in South Carolina, if that's gonna be his firewall. Uh, he's not gonna do well in the first three. So we'll see what happens to him, how he can handle it. It's amazing he survived this far, but I'm afraid that uh, as much as uh, I complaining about Iowa not being of any real significance, uh, it's a bit of a bellwether in terms of looking at Iowa, New Hampshire, then Nevada. If he gets you know, punched in the gut, as he said, in all three of them, then everything's going to be right down South Carolina. and Then we immediately go on the Super Tuesday. And he's not going to win California. You know, I think Bernie's going to win California.
0: You're talking about Biden? Yeah,
1: I'm no. talking about Biden. He's not going to win California. Bernie's going to win California. No. Booth Judge is not going to be a winner in California. Elizabeth Warren I think will do better, but uh, she's got to survive these first four. And uh, it's not uh, the ground and I'm not sure what happened to her, but uh, she has definitely slipped.
0: Yeah, they definitely lost, lost momentum for for whatever reason.
1: How do you handicap? The candidate says you go into <clears throat> New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, Super I, Tuesday.
0: I don't I don't know it well enough to okay. uh, those those states and how they they lean. Um, yeah, more of a spectator. Just interested to see how it all rolls out. I mean, I, I, and I don't know if I was not following that closely, but I was pretty surprised. And the you know when when the results finally started coming in in Iowa, how, how far back Biden was, I was like, man, he, that, that train fell off the track quick. Um, the Buddha judge thing is interesting. I mean, they get, he's getting a lot of like bad backlash from uh, some, some of the police stuff. And, you know, it, it, you talked about it, the, the lack of African-American sport and it's pretty, there's some not great things going on around, um, how how they've uh, how he's he's you know dealt with issues as a mayor in that in that small town so um, I guess it makes sense that he does well in a smaller predominantly white state but
1: well he's from that part of the country as well but one thing I'm really interested in which I think could be a real good sign but I'm not sure if it, it it's a sign. <clears throat> is people's comfortableness with him being gay. I'm assuming they know he's gay.
0: Yeah, but it's definitely not like a prominent it's not for him being a gay presidential candidate. It's definitely not a for, like on the forefront.
1: Right? Like, well, that's the interesting thing among the Democrats. You can't say anything about that. I mean, cuz we're mostly I mean, supportive of mm-hmm. equality and, and gay rights and that uh, him running for president, I hope, is a good sign for people being much more comfortable with it. But when if he would get in the general against Trump, there would be a lot of winking going on on the Republican side. They wouldn't attack it full frontal, but that would be an underpinning with mm-hmm. the religious community and others.
0: There's some conversation around him as, like... So I think somebody said how amazing is is it that, you know, that uh, there's a, a gay presidential candidate and um some of the conversation was like that's like you're like he's a you know, a well-to-do caucasian presidential candidate first and foremost. Yeah. He's not running off being uh, you know, um, the first gay candidate, right? And so they're like don't get it twisted. Like that's not his like profile like yeah what yeah. he's running off of um so but it is I mean it, in a weird way I don't know see people seem like they're more okay with him being gay than Elizabeth Warren and and Kamala and Coach Bar being a women a female yeah. you know that's true I think I think people I think people like just in generalizing I think people just still have a big that's a big issue
1: well that, that's a good point I I don't know why Kopachar hasn't been doing better in the polling. And I mean, she's been doing so well in the debates as a moderate. Um, she's much more specific than Buttigieg, just more with platitudes and broad strokes, and, and he's articulate. I, the thing that ultimately is going to take him out is that he just hasn't done anything. When did he run for governor or something? Or, He seems to be smart and thoughtful, uh, but people of color are not going to go to judge. I don't see it at all. He just doesn't have the track record. Any kind of track record. Mm. You know, and I I think the African-American vote for uh, Biden, uh, people are really, they want to be with the winner. You know, Biden doesn't show in South Carolina. And there's some problems really brewing in South Carolina in the African-American vote from what uh, the news articles are saying. Mm -hmm. But March 3rd voting centers, not your polling place, so we all got it in the mail where the voting centers are. Voting centers are open 11 days before or four days before, so find out which ones are which. For example, the polling place and now the voting center for us is 186th Street School, but that's only open four days before the election, not 11. Mm. And so voting centers, um, I vote by mail, the mail ballots long, not too bad, but they're going to do it on uh, iPads and stuff and computerized at the voting centers, so I'm a little concerned with what happened in Iowa and the app and stuff. You know, we're going electronic and how comfortable people are going to feel with that. Uh, so I really, uh, in my article, in my column, really promoted voting by mail. 2024, everybody's going to get a mail ballot, you know. Mm. So it's you don't even have to register as a permanent absentee voter anymore. Mm. Everybody's going to get it. So this is in uh, California, I mean, LA County. I don't know if all the counties in California will be totally uh, integrated into the new system. So people are stumbling over themselves trying to make it easier, but it's gonna be a humongous ballot. and You're gonna have to go from, I don't know if it's swiping or how you can move from page to page on the computer screen, on the iPad screen
0: so uh, that scares me I, I think it's well founded I think anybody that um, is involved with um, launching of apps or technology like that it's always a cluster the first time always
1: no matter how much you tested no oh, I mean we had issues
0: around not this year but I think last year with it was the Super Bowl the World Cup something like that streaming you know on, on the Fox Sports app and that's I mean millions and millions of dollars way more than any of these voting apps was put into it and way more time and like testing testing and high-end developers and 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 it still was a cluster and it still like went down. <coughs> so I, I think it's smart go pay, go paper let's let them soft that's what they should they should
1: they should have soft
0: launched on something.
1: yeah, you know that's a good point. this whole thing about we're going live. It's nah, not, it never goes. No, that, that's a good point yeah. is the different institutions I've been in have gone from paper and three by five cards and shoe boxes to computerized payroll or the DWP going to computerized billing mm-hmm. everyone from this bit of cluster is right. Yeah. Is right. Well, we'll,
0: we'll circle back before, um, before Super Tuesday for sure. Yeah. Good um, but uh, yeah, it was a good, good catch-up on, on the current state of things.
1: Yeah, good. And people vote.